church has been out of shape, out of shape. That's just the way it is. And I still today, uh, after all these years of preaching and in the ministry, I still believe that this church is called to be an example of what a true church should be. Uh, we will stumble, we will make mistakes and stuff like that. But if we stand true to the Word of God, God's going to do something uh, supernatural. God is going to do something wonderful and powerful. And we're going to look at it this morning. We're going to look at this. This morning's uh, title is simply called Embracing Only One Side of the Cross. And that's what the church has been doing. And this whole message kind of comes out of the Corinthian church, country of Greece. There was a city called Corinth, and it was, it was on the uh, coastal waters. It was like the New York of then. They, were, they had everything that they wanted, every extravagance, all wealth and trade and and the stock market going through the roof, and the church was pathetic. Seriously, it was pathetic because it was invaded by all this stuff. And Paul went there three times trying to correct it, but actually never did. So I hope that that does not happen to you and I. America, the church has been invaded by the prosperity, by the wealth, by the the easy way of life, uh, losing the idea. In fact, a lot of churches don't even have the cross anymore. In fact, I was going to ask Philip and um, Julian, can you guys grab that cross and bring it here? I forgot to tell you. The big one up there, see that? The big cross right there. <laughs> Just make sure those thorns don't fall on you. You can get rid of that blanket. In many churches today, the cross is not even placed in the sanctuary anymore. They kind of have the idea that it is offensive and it um, bothers people, but uh, we have made the choice to cling to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to embrace it, embrace it for everything that it means, and we're going to bring that out to you this morning and hopefully show you at least a small example what's wrong with the American church. The American church is sick because I believe a lot of the pastors have been sick. Just find any place. To... Excellent, guys. Thank you. So I want to bring it to the forefront today. <clears throat> I don't think it's any secret our nation is suffering under a group of people who seems to want to play and kind of shred our Constitution, go against it like never before, and our nation is suffering from it and hurting from it. In that same light, there are a, a group of people, whoever they are, just people in general being led and filled by the enemy's devices to change the Word of God, to just play with it and push it and change it and make it so different, and it has hindered the church. The church is now no longer what it used to be, doesn't seem to represent what it used to be, nor have the power it used to be. And I believe that God has been and always has, in my heart, wanting to produce a church like it should be, and that is you folks. You're here, you're the ones that he's selected, you are the ones that he keeps drawing back here, and, uh, and we hope that he draws more, and hope that we make an impact, but you are what he has right now, and you are uh, what he has to want to hear uh, this morning's message. It's a message that most of American churches do not want to hear, do not want to listen to, and do not want to fulfill or carry out in their life, and this is why we are struggling as a country because the church, the Word of God, this nation was founded on that, and what's made this nation awesome, strong, and great has there been their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. 
And we're away from all that now. We really are. You and I, majority of us, have been uh, alive and born and raised into the decline of the church. And we no longer see or understand maybe what once was. And so we have to go to God, and God, you've got to show us again. You've got to resurrect up inside us what the church, that's you and I, we're the church, what we should be and what we are supposed to become, not what we see. And this is where we've been in our our fight. Um, Reading a book, it's called, uh, I can't quite remember what it's called, but it's called uh, 180 Degrees, meaning that we as people, we got to make a 180 degree turn. We've been going the wrong way. We've been told a bunch of fibs. They've been playing with the Word of God and playing with it. And, and now the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. So here we are, years of walking the wrong way. Now we've got a weak church, an old church, a church without influence, a church without their sword, and a church that doesn't want the cross. And the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And so after years of being led down the wrong path, we look in the mirror and we say, what? Is this church? The world looks at us and says, I don't want any of that. And now God is calling you and I to do the 180 degree turn. Say, no, 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 no. This is what it's about. This is what God has called us. This is the straight and the narrow. This is what we are supposed to be like. Hard finding people that will do that. And I hope you are it. So Paul starts off this this uh, talk to the Corinthian church. He wrote his first letter to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 4.21, it's a little different translation. Probably what you have, I failed to note the translation, what it was. But Paul says to this in verse 21, What do you prefer? Question mark. Shall I come to you with a whip? In the Bible, King James, I believe it says a rod. Shall I come with you with a whip or in love or with a gentle spirit? He goes back to the Corinthian church. Now, you must remember, the Corinthian church was a Christian Corinthian church. Something Paul founded on one of his missionary journeys. Paul found it. Okay, so Paul was an awesome apostle of God. And he founded this church upon the cross and upon the blood of Jesus. And the church went awry. It went, it went astray fast and never did come back. Christians. So he says, how do you want me to come to you now? Do you want me to come with a whip and a rod? Or in love with a gentle spirit? And he, and he says this because he constantly heard about internal squabbles. Now we're not just talking about New Hope. We're talking about the American church. The American church. All of you probably have come from churches that have let you down. Squabbles, devices, divisions, bickering, murmuring, complaining, throwing out pastors, pastors throwing out people, running around with the choir director. All this kind of stuff seems to be the M.O. of the American church. And how can that be? And so Paul was saying this to the Corinthians. Man, I've, I've heard about your internal squabbles, your disorderly worship your false apostles, your sexual immorality that's going on in the church. And he brings it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now listen, this is not a put down to us. I'm not up here saying, yeah, you, you get it together, Adam. No, I'm, I'm talking about us. This is the boat that we find ourselves in being born again in America. 
And Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 3. He says, and I, brethren, he's talking to Christians, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but, uh, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. If you only hug one side of the cross, you're carnal. And we'll get to that. If you only embrace one side of the cross, and this is what us as Americans do, we really are, we're comfort creatures. He goes, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. And I don't know if all of you will be able this morning to bear this. But it's the gospel. Verse 3 says, For you are yet carnal, for whereas, whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as man? Now, if you're going to be really honest, probably any church you've ever been in, probably even including this one with the shame to say that, there's this stuff going on. Places that you come from, hearts have been broken. Sheep have been lost because of the things that go on under the disguise of Christianity. And Paul's saying, what's going on? How can this be? These eternal squabbles, this disorderly conduct. What kind of worship are you putting on here? How could you let stuff like that go on? And a lot of it is with the head of the church. This is what Paul's bringing out. He says, isn't this stuff going on? And he says, I'm going to let you know. As I name this stuff, you make the judgment. And that means carnal. If this is going on, it's carnal. And this is what he's saying. So this is the junk this is part of that 180 degree that you think it's okay to do and be and say, we got to get rid of. No, sir. We don't want to live like that. We don't want to be, be like that. We don't want to be known like that. We want to be known by the Word of God, people of God. And so this is what God wants to lift up and show the lost world. This, this truly is Christians. So this is what he says. For you are carnal. And an answer to that, here's some fruit of carnality. He says, there's envying among you, strife and divisions. He says, are you not carnal then? You walk as men. You walk as everybody else. And you're not supposed to be. Well, that's kind of what we were born into. Born again, born into that kind of stuff. Well, Paul, God says, well, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to make that 180 degree turn. And this is part of making that turn this morning. Paul says, man, I, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. And that simply means, the definition of that word spiritual means one who is filled with the governed by the Spirit of God. One who has the heartbeat of God. One who understands what this cross is about. One who understands what Christ did when He poured Himself out for everybody. That's how I want to speak to you, is what Paul said. But I couldn't. I couldn't bring you the deeper things of the Word of God that had to feed you like a little baby. And we don't want this. We don't want that here, certainly in this church, and for our nation. Our nation needs strong men and women of God to stand now. Truly, to really stand. Our nation is teetering on destruction. So the Apostle Paul, now he lived in Corinth for about a year and a half. And he preached the cross. 
He preached it to them so they knew about it. They heard about the message of the cross. They knew that Christ died and rose on the third day. They were aware that they had access to the power of God, that they could overcome any temptation through the power of God and through prayer that God would enable them to have victory and triumph over all their enemies with the power in the cross to live that crucified life. They knew that. Paul preached that for a year and a half at least. They knew they had to promise to have a new heart, a new mind, and a new spirit. God says, I will fill you with my spirit. He says, what? Know you not that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? God says, I'll fill you with my power. I will give you my grace to make that turn. To walk like no one else walks. They knew that in the Corinthian church. They heard it. And then look what happened to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. He says this, It is reported commonly, commonly, that there is fornication among you. Listen, and such fornication as not so much as named among the Gentiles. Do you understand what that's saying? To a Christian church, who has heard the born-again message about the cross and Christ, the blood, salvation, redemption, forgiveness, mercy, grace. He goes, there's stuff reported among you that the Gentiles don't even do. This is what's happening in our nation to the church of Jesus Christ in America. So many times I have a one-word answer. When I hear something, I go, What? See, you and I are to be the walking billboards for Christ. That the lost and damned that have no hope can see somebody that God took who also had no hope. Filled them with the Spirit of God and the love of God. Turned them around in His walk in newness of life. And so the enemy comes in and shreds our gospel and plays with it and pushes it around. Dummies it down so that we walk just almost like the world. There's no difference. It's just exactly what's going on. So he says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. Listen, and here it is, that one should have his father's wife. What? That's all I can say to that. What? I remind you again, we're talking about Paul's church. He founded Paul. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, who was beaten and scorned and left in the deep, a night and a day in the deep for the word of God. He planted them on solid ground. And now he's saying, what? What? So the Corinthian church was coming apart at the seams. 1 Corinthians 1.11 says this, For it hath been declared unto me of you. Paul says, it's been told me about you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you, bickering and murmuring and fighting and complaining, and the world's looking going, look at them, <laughs> as bad as us. This is what happens. This is why we need that 180-degree turn, and we can't. If you only embrace one side of the cross, and we're getting to that. Contentions means this, strife, wrangling, backbiting, power struggles. 
Man, how many have come from churches with power struggles all the time? Whether it's singing your song or whether it's you're wanting your own sheep, it's all the time going on. Now look what the Word of God says about these contentions and, and strife and wranglings. And the only reason, the Bible says this, look what it says. And you've just got to say guilty or you go, yeah, but. And that's normally what we do. Instead of saying guilty, you're right, I'm wrong, God, you go, yeah, but that person. And it simply states in Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride cometh contentions. That's the word of God. There's no yeah, buts. There's no yeah, but in your case, it's okay. There isn't. Only by pride. 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 I end up having a beef with Bruce. God says it's by pride. And that's this walk. That's embracing just one side. When you make that 180 degree turn, that stuff is not supposed to even exist in your life. Only by pride cometh contentions, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Pride, disrespect is what that means. Disrespect, presumptuousness, just pursuing, pursuing things. What? Yeah, that's okay. Go ahead. He doesn't care. Arrogance. All this stuff that God says he loathes, he hates. This is the stuff that needs to be... Uh, taken out of the people of God so they can be that example of Christ that he wants us to be. Now listen, this is the fruit, what we just read. Contentions, your uh, lying in bed with your mother or your dad's second wife, whatever it is. You're like, what? This is the Christian Corinthian church's fruit in Paul's time. This is what's going on. I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot of the modern-day church philosophy in our nation. We're sort of kind of like anything goes. Don't offend. Like this message is no way, no way do you preach a message like this. You just don't in America anymore. You probably never hear anything like this on TV. I mean, I, I don't listen to them. I haven't heard them in years, but I, I would uh, fall over if someone spoke like this on TV. So how on earth could Paul's church that he founded in Corinthian end up in this state? These are people that have come to Christ. Have set up a church just like we did years ago. Simply put, now listen, they were willing to embrace the cross. They were willing to embrace the cross as the answer to their personal need for salvation. I don't want to go to hell. I know I'm a sinner. And so they were willing to embrace the cross for their need of salvation. They really were. And there's a lot of this in America. Yet, they're unwilling to embrace the call, the cross, to totally follow Christ as Lord. Lord. Master. They want salvation. They want healed. They want blessed. And they want heaven. So they, we come to Christ for that, but when Christ says, pick it up and follow me, we're like, whoa, <laughs> that's offensive. And God says, your sin will find you out, meaning this, years and years and years of just coming to Christ for that, 
has developed what we've got for an American church. And we have been founded out. The world has busted us because they don't want anything to do with it. And this is what's happened. Uh, and I know what I'm, I'm feeding you, uh, cod liver oil and medicine and liver and onions and all that stuff that we always go, and beans. <laughs> all that stuff we can't stand that your mother says, it's good for you. Right? And this is what we're, we just rather spit it out. They took the salvation, but ultimately lived for themselves. Anything that moved them, any thrill, any fleshly desire, they went for it. Instead of God says, die to yourself, they went for it. And so they walked it and walked it, and you and I come along years later or born again and saying, yeah, this is great. Is this the church? Is this it? Is this what, is this what it's about? You go through all the wrangling and yelling and the boards and the divisions and the stupid pastors, and you're going, is this church? Well, I'm telling you, it's not. It's not. This is the way it is. They only wanted to embrace one side of the cross. And look, let me just tell you something honestly. I was, I'd like it for only to be one side. I, I like that. This side is scary. See all that blood up there? It's going to cost me something. I'd rather just hug this side. Jesus loves me, this I know. But that, that's what's happened to us. We're a shadow of what we should be. It's important to recognize the, the capability of the atonement. Oh, it is. Salvation, the cross, yes. I'm not, I'm not um, blaspheming that. You must understand. But it's equally important to recognize, to embrace the total cross, and have that deeper understanding of the walk of Jesus Christ and what it really means. Suffer the wrong for the sake of that person. Well, bless God. What? And it, it's how you handle situations and react to them is the depth of the cross that you know. And as Americans, we're not too good at it. I just read an article the other day. Oh, I wish I'd have brought it and put it up there. 30,000 people, I think it said of would like to say a day, but I'll go with a week, are coming to Christ in China as they hide in caves, literal caves, 30,000. We're going to have a church building, and we're going to buy a cave. We're going to meet in there. Say we get rid of all this, take that money, and live in a cave for God. We're like, what? No air conditioning? No screens? I mean, it's just, we're, we're just um, so... Opposite. I understand that. And that's, God blessed them. They live in China. God has placed us here. So going to go buy a cave isn't going to change us. But that's just what they're in caves and they're coming to Christ. 30,000. I'm positive it said a day, but I'll say a week. Coming to Christ. 30,000. Western Hemisphere, America, Canada. Christianity's dying. It's dying. Wow, it's some um, people in Congress... No, they're all messed up. They are messed up bad. But it's because there's been no one to show them what picking up the cross means and dying to self. None. Oh, you'll hear, yeah, Jimmy Carter was born again, and that one's born again. And you're like, really? Really? 
Maybe he is. Bless, I hope he is. Now, Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples. What's a disciple? I would hope to believe that Alan Johnson is a disciple. A student, a follower of Christ. That's what a disciple is. Not a church attender. A student, a follower, a pupil of Christ. I want to learn. I want to sit at the master's feet. Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the gospel. Now look, there's not one flesh side of us that's going to go, ooh, ooh, I can't wait that. No, no, God knew that. That's why God tells you, in your flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. God knew that your flesh wants to walk this way. But God say, no, 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 I want you to walk this way. Your flesh longs to go that way. That's why God says, crucify the flesh and go this way with me. Deny yourself and your pleasures. Trust me that I'll give you pleasures you don't even know of. But we hang on to the little worldly pleasures. And we represent a magnificent God unfairly and unjustly. And the lost in America are going... I don't want that. What church is going to step up? What church is going to say, okay, we'll die, we'll die. The Son of God left heaven, and he came to earth as a man to go to the cross. That was his mission. He didn't almost go to it. He went to it. That's why he came. That was the plan. And he poured out his life to provide you and I forgiveness and redemption. That was the plan. And he accomplished it. Matthew 20, verse 28 says this. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Walking through the L.A. airport. Saw, you know those guys that... um, Shine your shoes. Guy sitting there like this, feet like this, and a guy just going. The other guy on the other side just going. Which one do you think Jesus would be? Which one do we like to be? Now, dude, come on. Missed the spot. Jesus said, Do you understand why I came? The king of glory. Do you understand why I came? The king of glory took his towel and went, yeah, these shoes are bad. The king of heaven polishing your shoes. Oh, my gosh. We have foot washing service and you all run. You do. You do. You do. You don't understand what you're missing. You don't understand that. Listen, I don't mean to offend you. That's called carnality. It is. Oh, my gosh. People say, oh, I don't like feet. Yeah. Jesus liked the cross. 
Jesus said, I come to minister, not to be ministered unto. If, you, if we could live our Christian life never forgetting that, this church would be awesome. Where's Chase, our outreach guy? Where are you, Chase? It would be awesome, Chase. You'd have all kinds lined up. I will. That's the 180 degree, isn't it? Man, that's 100. We like the preeminence places. We like the places where our seats are reserved. And God says, forget that stuff. Follow me. You and I are to walk in the steps of our master. Now, if, you, if he takes you to the cross, there's no steps going around it. There's no pathway. There's no Jesus footprints for you to go around it. His footprints did what? Led right to the cross. That's the other side of the cross. That's embracing the whole cross. We want this. Look, I'm saved. I'm in church and just be happy. That's the majority of American Christianity. Whether they get to heaven or not, I leave that up to God. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you what God wants us to do. He wants us to embrace it. God, no matter what it costs. That's what this church is called to do. He gave himself, literally gave himself as a sacrifice for us, for many, for all. Now listen, and he calls his followers to walk the similar path. He does, Michael. He calls you to walk the same. Oh, man, God, if you help me. And we're so undone, we almost can't handle it. God says, don't worry, I'll give you another, the comforter. You'll be going, God, I can't can't walk this walk. The comforter comes. And helps you to walk this walk. That's Christianity. That's the gospel. That's what America needs. That's what your neighbor needs. Is to actually visibly see it played out in people's lives. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in these ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, what? We will not. No way. I'm not doing this. I'll do this. So they, they even struggled with this thousands of years ago in Jeremiah's time. God says, walk in this way. Stand in it and see and ask. God says, it's the good way. It's contrary to your flesh. And what it thinks and how it calculates. God says, trust me by faith. Walk in it. It's the good way. And what did they say? Oh, no. No, no. No, we we won't. We'll take salvation and forgiveness in heaven. God says, if you go this way, after a while, I'm telling you, your sin will find you out. It's the same way. You can have all these young little children, and we're being blessed with a lot of them right now. Then you can walk the easy way, and you'll get away with it for a long time until they start becoming 10, 11, 12, 13. They're going to go, and they're not going to follow you. That's the part of the cross the Corinthian church refused to embrace. They refused to embrace it. We face the same dilemma today particularly in America. We have a tendency to embrace only just one side of the cross. 
the forgiveness of sin and the peace that comes from knowing God. And that's great. But there's more to it. There's so much more to it. Haven't you ever thought in your walk and in your life, if you have any years of salvation in you, haven't you ever said to yourself, it's got to be more of this? Because you and I have been taught incorrectly most of our saved lives. This is another example. Remember years ago when I preached, are you in church or are you in Christ? You in church with your nice little steeple and padded pews or are you in Christ? In church, divorce rate's bad as the world. In Christ, there isn't one. There isn't in Christ. Big, big, big difference. So that's, a, that's another example. You and I are living in the, the day and age of the self-focus versus the Christ-focus. And this is a lot easier on self. I know it. I wouldn't mind getting into that little, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> but God says, no, no you've got to go that way. Well, God, that way, that way. Lord, that's, that's hard. That, God, that'll kill me. He said, yep. You remember the movie last night, if you, if you were here? And he was talking to the guy dying in bed saying, man, it's simple. Just ask Christ to forgive you. And the man's he's going back in all the years and everything he's done. He's going, but it's so hard. And he says, you're right. It's simple, but hard. And that's why God says, I'll give you another. That my grace is sufficient. That my mercy is renewed every day. Not to fix broken fingernails because you're swinging on the hammock of relaxation. It's to walk this walk. When all will mock you and laugh at you, you say, what are you, goody two shoes and you better than I? You're going, no, man, no. I know, I was like that. God did this. They might laugh at you and mock at you, but some will go, really? Do you think I could go that way? And before you say yes, you've got to do this. Yes, come here. Embrace the cross. And then they'll walk that way. The other side of the cross is a life of surrender, sacrifice, and servanthood. Total surrender. I like those job benefits. You get a job. We have total package for you. Total surrender. Total servanthood. Total sacrifice. You go, really? What about dental? But this is what God asks for us, and he knows it's impossible for you to do it, so he does it through you as a living witness to those who know you and those who will get to know you, and they'll say, honey, how on earth can you? It's God. I'm telling you, it's God. 1 John 3.16 says this, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby you and I perceive, understand, start to see the love of God. It says this, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's how you and I are to live. Here's how we perceive the Lord. He died for me. Oh, you don't know how bad I am. He died for you. Yes, he did. You start to perceive and understand the love of God. He must really love me. He does. You embrace the cross. You accept Christ's love. And then you read the rest of it. Now, you ought to lay down your lives for the brethren. Walk this way. Yeah, but everybody's going now. I know, the, I know 
where the majority of the church is going. But you've got to walk this way. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth, demonstrated what that means. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while you were yet sinner, Christ died for you. While you're yet popping the bottle and drinking it and shooting up and cussing and getting, whatever you got into, hatred and lying and stealing and... He died for you. So, your life is you die for them while they still mock you, laugh at you, make fun of you at work, whatever it is. You just die for them. Because someday they could start to understand. And when they understand... They'll run to the cross. Listen to this statement by Paul. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. This is going to be New Living Translation, just so you could maybe understand it a little better, like I did. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I am. God has set me free. Sin is no longer a master in my life. And this is what Paul's stating. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I don't have to keep certain days holy. I don't he goes... Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring them to Christ. A slave to all people to try to win the lost. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Paul didn't look at people and go, Ugh, I ain't associating with them. What I loved about the movie, dinner and the movie the other day, was half of the people, I didn't have any clue who they were. I was glad to see you. It was nice. We wanted you to have like a fellowship, a time with your family and your church, eat some good spaghetti, some real spaghetti, and, and just have some fellowship together. But it was really for those who've never experienced, sensed, or seen anything like that. And they were here. It was awesome. Paul said, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I could bring them to Christ. I didn't, and he goes on and said, he corrects it, but I did not ignore the law of God, obey. or He said, I didn't ignore it and become a pervert because they were perverts. That's not what he's saying. Paul's talking about his heart to go and win the lost no matter what they're into. To give them opportunity to see Christ. To possibly just buddy up with them. That you might win them for Christ. If you and I were to go back in history, we could go back in a time machine and walk into a Corinthian church service. Back in those days, everybody would be speaking in tongues. I mean, they'd be screaming in tongues at the same time. So-called prophets would be trying to prophesy over the top of the other one who's prophesying. You would look at that church and say, you guys are crazy. When Paul heard these things, he told the church that the people coming in would conclude that you're all mad. Now, I don't know if you've had your pulse, your fingers on the pulse of the church in the last 15 to 20 years, these so-called charismatic revivals. They're crazy. All the barking and running around and all that various nonsense that's going on. It's not a charismatic revival. It's a Corinthian movement. It's something that has gone on before. If you want to drink, you can drink. If you want a divorce, get a divorce. If you want to run around, you can run around. 
You want to date, you can date. They have swapping wives, churches. They have everything that you can think of in America. I'm not saying every move of God was bad. I'm just saying those who usually get all the publicity. I truly want to suggest to you it wasn't a revival. It was just a Corinthian. Paul dealt with the same thing. And the answer is, is we must get back to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where God, God says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This is where you crucify your talents. Maybe you're the best singer in the church. You better stay on the cross. Crucify that. Maybe you're the best speaker the church has. Crucify it. Crucify it. Die it. Because, see, it's all gifts and talents that God has given you to further his kingdom. It's not like God hasn't been waiting for the eons for you to become old enough to help his kingdom out. It's not. It's not. When you get rid of the cross, man, then the flesh can do what it wants. And it has been in our nation, in our nation, our United States of America, which I love, has suffered greatly. I believe that our nation is on life support. I don't think it's dying. I believe it's on life support, meaning I don't know if I pulled a plug on our nation if it would make it or die. All the dumb laws and all that stuff contributed to it, but it comes down to the people of God that God placed here to be the light of the world. That's you and I. And we can't do it. You get rid of the cross, and I want to show my own light. Uh, yeah, I'll sign your book. You, get, you keep the cross in your life, you will walk humble. You will sacrifice. You will surrender and you will serve. Serve. If God would call you home right now, right this second, what could he thank you for for doing for him and his kingdom? What part of service could he thank you for? How did you serve? When I left to L.A., uh, I didn't know what was going to happen to our nursery. I don't know if anybody stepped up. Nursery. Your babies, <laughs> your babies are needing attended and loved and nourished and spoken to and sang to and hugged and loved. Well, when I left, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to see uh, uh, Christy to find out what happened. She probably put gum in this one and some glue in that hole. And It's servanthood. Servant. We should be staying. Can, is, can't I watch them now? Yeah. We, it's filled up until July. You can have July. You think you want to laugh because you think, oh, absurd. Well, that's what it is with our, it is absurd. But it should be like that. Servant, it's, that's the other side of the cross. What? Well, I won't hear preaching. Well, so what? You, you, it's like you can't trust God. He'd bust you out of your socks because you did something for him. You did something for a little two-week, two-month that can't give you anything back. You see, it's, it's so out of whack in our nation and in the church. I know, I would love to understand and know that you know 
I have not spent this last hour trying to offend you. Oh, my gosh, no, 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 no. If you took it that way, look at me right now real close. You're wrong. Seriously, you're wrong. What I'm trying to do is help us, not you, try to help us to have a true church, a true church. If we're going to go down in this sin-loving, anti-Christ world, we're going to go down swinging. And, and trust would God do whatever he can do through us to accomplish something in this town of ours. But this is the way. You have to embrace both sides of the cross. Not just the salvations and the blessings, but both sides. And as you embrace it, God's going to look at you and say, okay, Nate, pick it up. I think it was Bruce just telling me he read the Navy SEALs just had another uh, operation where they set some people free. Did you see that? And in their training, I think there's maybe six in a group, they do everything together. Bruce said if they uh, go to a restaurant, they have to pick up a telephone pole, all six of them, and take it to them, with them. That's the world's way of trying to train brotherhood. Whatever we do, we do it with this together. We are together. Meaning you can't lose one guy. <laughs> we are on special ops. We have you need to infiltrate betray behind the enemy lines. Remember I said I wanted to be a front line on the front line of the church, but God is like, front line? No, he wants us to infiltrate behind the enemy's lines and win people to Christ. You work beside them, you know them, you talk to them. You get gas probably at the same place where your car's oil changed all the time. You know them, they're all over. All stretched and, because I want you to look at me again. The other day with the spaghetti dinner, we had to go get tons of ingredients to make the sauce. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I don't want to tell you because you might say, that was in it. <laughs> but, I mean, I had to buy green pepper, onions, and garlic, and and uh, tomato paste, dice this, puree that, and all sauce, and ground meat, and uh, all this stuff. Had our countertops full of the ingredients. When I brought them in and placed them all on the shelf, Ruth and I didn't go back and say, now there, it's done. No, we had to go to work. We had to open up all the cans and slice this and dice that and brown the meat and get it all going and stir it and put in a, a, the cheese and all the various Parmesan and all. Had to cook for hours. Then it was done. We have all the ingredients. We got them all. We got them all in this church. We got them all. I don't know if you're just sitting on the counter. I don't know where you're at in this. But this altar call, every joint supplies, every joint. You know, as you get older, they would talk, you know, this joint, that joint hurts. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I've been <laughs> having that. Just this thumb right here, not this one, just. I never paid attention to that joint 61 and a half years of my life. It did anything I wanted, tied my shoes, it buttoned my, all of a sudden you're late, and I'm going, dang, what's up with this stupid thing? Just this one joint bugging me from tying shoes, the buttons, the ties. Every joint, every joint that's you, you supply. We're going to have an altar call that simply is. Number one, 
If you're without Christ, you need to come to him. You need to come to the cross. If you've been given some blue light special Jesus, everything will be wonderful. Everything's a bowl of cherries. Everybody will love you. That's blue light, Walmart, Kmart, dummy down gospel. Jesus has a job for you. He has a plan for your life. But the first stop is at the cross, and you embrace it. And then see what he has for you. For those of you who have, or maybe you've just embraced the front half, and really you look at yourself and really not a whole lot going on in my life. I don't feel any great changes. I'm not being used that much. Maybe you just need to grab the cross again, pull it towards you. Please, our nation's running out of time, and so are we. We have some music for our altar call. It's open. Please come to the altar. Talk to God. Ask God, where's your part? parts, servanthood. If you love to get your shoes shined, six, I'm so sorry, God. Can you give me the rag? Ask the Lord to sit down and you do his feet or your neighbor's feet or your boss's feet. Come to the altar, please.